Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, a series of interviews with changemakers around the world. Today, we have Leon Reiner, the co founder and managing director of Impact Hub Berlin, whose vision is to create an ecosystem where changemakers bring their ideas into action. In this interview, Leon is sharing his thoughts on impact investing, the collaboration culture in the social innovation field, entrepreneurship as a tool for social positive impact, and the balance between profit and purpose. Um, so I'm Leon. Uh, I'm one of the founders and now managing director of the Impact Hub in Berlin. Uh, so Impact Hub is a global network that many people have come across because there's more of a hundred currently around the world and it's basically always the same it's a co-working space it's a community and it's a team that basically provides content often also doing consultancy work and this is pretty much what we're doing here in Berlin so I started this with three other people now five years ago so this year is going to be our five-year anniversary and this is exactly what we're doing we have, we have a 600 square meter co-working space in Friedrichstraße at the heart of Berlin We have 200 members from all different kinds of backgrounds, so foundation workers, people who are, who are startuppers, people who are consultants, people working in big corporates, but all wanting to use entrepreneurship and innovation to change the world for the better. Mm -hmm. um, and my role in the Impact Hub is mainly uh, business development, so meaning I bring on new partners, um, I bring in kind of the money, you know, you also need money to run this place. And we actually earn money by, on the one side, our 200 members paying a fee to be part of the co-working space, uh, renting out our really beautiful event space. Um, and we're actually currently doing a lot of consultancy work. So we design and execute uh, acceleration programs for social entrepreneurs. And we do a lot of innovation consultancy, meaning product development, uh, a lot of event formats, very like it really depends on our partners range from ministries to corporates to uh, the GIZ, so German Development Aid, that's a lot. Um, yeah, so it's very diverse. Currently a team of about 20 people. Um, yeah, and still still going strong. <laughs> What kind of led you to you know to start Impact Hub in Berlin? Uh, good question. So um, I think I started by studying, like I've, I was always kind of like driven by kind of doing something good for the world. And then my parents are both entrepreneurs. Um, so kind of a mix. And I started by studying development aid or development aid was still called back then. And now we would say um, development corporation. Um, and kind of always had this job in mind to go to the UN or like German development aid, like going out into the world and helping people. But after studying that for five years and seeing like how it developed, um, I kind of realized going into other countries and telling people what to do really seemed to be a very stupid concept to me because I felt people where they are, they would know their problems and they would probably know best what to do and you'd rather provide them with kind of some, you know, whatever they need to kind of put their ideas into action. And yeah, that's, that's how I then kind of at the end, like after studying five years, I was like, okay, so I've studied development corporation. I now know I don't want to do it, <laughs> um, which you can imagine is a pretty kind of, you know, <laughs> shitty situation. Um, but then I kind of found social entrepreneurship as a concept and I got pretty engaged and wrote a thesis about that. So a little bit maybe like your story. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then really stumbled into my first job here in Berlin. So I was studying in Austria in Vienna, and then I stumbled into my first job here, which was actually being the host of one of the first co-working spaces targeted to social entrepreneurs. And they, just when I was there, working on a free internship, because I wanted to be there so bad, uh, got their first funding to build an acceleration or incubate, early stage incubation program for social entrepreneurs. So the first one in German-speaking countries. And then from then on, for two years, I kind of got the opportunity to work in the team. I was kind of the first hire and then took it from there. So I was kind of lucky. I kind of did everything. I kind of changed my role every three months. But after three years of doing that, I was really like, well, I, I can't do it anymore. And I always knew I wanted to do something myself. Yeah, then I had a phase of about a year of like considering PhD, considering this, considering that, doing a lot of like consulting work here and there, developing courses at universities, teaching at university, all kinds of stuff. And then uh, my, my co-founders just found me basically. They, they had known that I had managed space before and they just approached me like, hey, we're doing this. And I kind of also found Impact Hub as a concept. I was like, so what is the best way to support social innovation? What's best practice? And rather than reinventing the wheel, I found Impact Hub, and that's that's how how it started. So I'm a, I'm passionate about stealing creatively, <laughs> and if there's a great concept out there, I always recommend doing that instead of reinventing for yourself. Yeah, exactly. um, so I think that's always a good idea. And usually in the social innovation space, the cool thing is that people are pretty supportive with that. So rather than telling you, here's the number of my lawyer, you're gonna get sued because you're stealing my concept, you're like. This is amazing, you're doing this on the other end of the world, how can I help you, and great that you're doing this. So it's a very different environment than you would find in a classic startup mm. space, I guess. That's very interesting that you say that. I have like many questions already popping into my mind, but first, because um, you were saying like uh, the concept of um, development cooperation, development mm. aid sounded very strange to you because, yeah. Like going there and telling other countries or people what to do this doesn't seem like a, a good idea. Would you say then that social entrepreneurs have bigger impact or what is kind of the difference between social entrepreneurs and let's say NGOs in this development cooperation area? So, I mean, I think by now I'm not that extreme anymore. I think after studying I was really like, okay, this is this is like, I don't do this, like this is horrible. And, you know, I had a very critical view on things and by now I, I do see that there's, you know, there's a different light. I think certain problems, to solve certain problems, they're so systemic. Mm -hmm. You just can't do that as, as an entrepreneur or with one organization. You need many organizations, it needs to be concerted and for that it's great. But I think what, what it does better is, um, you know, development aid and NGOs who, who, who live of development aid, it, it tends to create a dynamic where the organization acts for the funder, which is not the target group. And it's a very, it's a very, it's a very normal thing to happen. And it's very human. Um, so it's, it's not bad intent or anything like that. It's just, it's just the dynamic of how the system operates. And if you act as an enterprise as, or uh, trying to at least cover costs, and you have to be um, active for your target group, And that puts up a lot of pressure to do something that's actually valuable to get to them because otherwise they'll just be gone. Mm -hmm. So I think it holds it holds the people who execute accountable. And I think it's this accountability to the target group that oftentimes in, in, in classic development aid gets lost 
And it's this accountability or this loss of accountability that then leads to a lot of money being lost or or go 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 to go money going to to waste. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's ultimately a question of accountability. Mm -hmm. um, talking also about social entrepreneurship and social enterprises, it's basically um, in a nutshell kind of uh, having an impact, uh, having a purpose, but also profit at the same time. And I feel like many times, you know, this idea of profit is not sticking so well. Like. With, with social and development cooperation or aid, it's always kind of the idea of profit goes in the back of our minds that you're not supposed to make profit when you help others solve problems. So, um, what was what was your experience or your thoughts on this? You know, balance between profit and purpose, and how important is that in, in social entrepreneurship? So, I think first of all, it's it's really important to realize that when we talk about profit, I think it's often misunderstood. I mean, if you if you think about it. Um, Usually an NGO runs on a hundred percent funding, right? So it's, it's basically a hundred percent minus. Um, and when we talk about profit, that means that you're earning those hundred percent plus something. So you've paid all the people working, you've covered all your costs, you didn't, you did all you needed, and then you're still making a profit. So I think. Already, it's really, really, really great if an organization even manages to get to that imagined zero, which is not yet a profit, which, but that's what we mean when we say that. When we say it's people, planet, profit, we usually mean it's, you know, it's impactful and it covers cost. But that actually is, that is not even profit yet. So profit is really hard. Um, my experience is that really starting it's, it's, it's kind of a it's, it's a continuum it's not either or so but it's really working from that 100 percent you know funded by 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 government or by um, um, by charity moving towards being entrepreneurial and how you approach a solution and then it's more about being entrepreneurial in your approach than in really making a profit I think so, because some problems you just can't make a profit, you know, it's, it just doesn't work. My experience is that if you explain it like that, most people understand and, and think it's a reasonable thing. The, where it gets problematic is more the part where it's like, hey, you're paying your investors back money, or you're like becoming rich off the off the backs of other off the off the backs and the not well-being of other people. That's where it gets bad, and. That is unfortunate. That is the kind of the, the, the meaning that the word profit carries mm -hmm. nowadays. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I think it's also the meaning that entrepreneur kind of carries. Entrepreneur oftentimes now is like thought to be someone that gets rich of the, you know, I don't know, of profiting of other people rather than actually solving the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and talking about uh, investors and um, return on investment, um, I saw on the website there's like a, on the impact hub. Um, website there's a lot uh, about impact investing and I thought this term was quite interesting. Uh, so from your experience maybe what are investors in this kind of impact ventures or social ventures, what are they usually looking for? Very good question. It's a very specific field. Um, so first off it's different wherever, wherever you are in the world. So impact investing and the whole concept is perceived very differently say from in the US from the UK to Italy to Germany. Speaking about Germany, I would say it's still small but growing, but generally investors are looking to 
usually um, either take a chunk of money, give it to someone who's going to create an impactful project to then at a later stage be able to take that same chunk of money back, maybe with a small interest, but it's not about the interest, it's more about capital preservation, mm -hmm. to then be able to find a new project that they can get that chunk of money to so that they can again build something and then at some point they can take the chunk back and so on and so on. So that's kind of the idea. Mm -hmm. um, so you find some of those. Um, unfortunately, I have to say that in reality, oftentimes there's still a pretty bipolar landscape going on. So you, on the one side, you have those who are like, I'm actually doing charity, but I want it to look like an investment, so it's more my kind of thing. So it's people who have usually earned a lot of money being entrepreneurs, so they want to be entrepreneurial in how they give. So it's more strategic philanthropy, maybe. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you have kind of for-profit investors thinking, hey, we want to do a little bit with impact, and then usually the way they think is, we're going to do everything the same, but with impact, which holds the big challenge that, you know, usually if you have another dimension to your activities, not only profit, but also creating impact, makes things more complex, harder, usually takes longer. So it's still this bipolar thing going on, and slowly there's more people in the middle kind of doing that revolving capital preservation kind of strategy. Um, but it's, it's still really hard, and Germany also is a very, very risk-averse market. Um, and especially the philanthropic sector is very risk-averse. So the idea of doing something good by investing is still very difficult to grasp and it's for a lot of people still very hard. Mm -hmm. As an impact investor, let's say, how do I evaluate that this project needs my investment over this other project? <laughs> uh, really good question. I think, I think it's really important to first really think about what the impact is that you want to have because I think like doing good is, is, is not a good strategy. <laughs> So really thinking about, okay, so what's kind of the, what's, what's the topic I want to get into? You know, not, no classic investor would ever say, I'm just going to invest in everything. You want to kind of get to know the field. So first kind of look at what kind of interests me, what do I, where can I contribute outside of money, maybe from my, from my work life, maybe from my former work life, however you look at it. Like where do I actually can come in with network, with contacts, where can I add the smart to the capital? Um, that really makes a good investment um, because only if you can do that can you really, really help your investee. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is um, really finding a good investee. I think by now there's a couple of cool players in Germany. There's FASE, mm -hmm. uh, Finanzagentur für Sozial Social Entrepreneurs. Um, they're doing pretty good work. There is Impact Hub, obviously. We have a lot of young entrepreneurs. So it's find someone who kind of knows the sector and sit down with them for a coffee. I actually, at best be find five people, sit down with them and have a coffee, and find out. Because usually, again, in the social impact sector, the cool thing is they will share. We will, like, I will sit down with someone and say, hey, uh, this is the field you're interested in, those are people you should talk to, these are three ventures that I know that could be interesting. So people are still in the mood of doing this. If you want to be more strategic, um, I think there's a couple of, of offerings where you can actually get strategic help, how to allocate your money and how to find good investments and stuff. But it's, I mean, it's still a growing sector, so it's also an adventure, which can be a cool thing. Mm -hmm. How come there is this kind of collaboration culture in this whole impact social area uh, compared to the traditional entrepreneurship business commercial side? <laughs> um, 
I, okay, what I'm saying is going to be maybe a little bit of wishful thinking, but what I really think is that the great thing about the sector is that it's usually more about really solving a problem and improving the lives of those who are confronted with this problem. And because the whole kind of production chain of impact, you know, from from the person who's like, from where the, the problem is to the people who want to solve it, to the people who are financing that solution, to the ones that are writing about that solution, to the one, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone is very much motivated by actually, you know, making that solution a success. And everyone knows, you know, a problem like climate change won't have one solution. It'll, it'll need many. So making one thing a success won't kill something else. So it's a lot more about the problem than about exploiting a market opportunity. If you want to exploit a market opportunity, classic market, it's one opportunity. And if you invite another venture into that opportunity, get smaller. So I think it's problem solution versus exploiting market opportunity. And mm -hmm. if it's about problem solving, people are more open to help. Nice. Um, we're talking a lot about impact. <laughs> we're in the impact hub. Um, what is impact for you? <laughs> so, yeah, again, very good question. I think it's a classic. Um, so I think, I mean, for us, uh, we've tried to make this more graspable by using the Sustainable Development Goals by the UN. Uh, so 17 goals um, across different fields that have been agreed on by a good, good chunk of the, um, of, um, of the countries. But not only countries, and that's really interesting, but also corporates mm -hmm. and actually city governments, regional governments, etc. So I would say it's a very good common language about what impact actually is. They're not complete, they're lacking some things, like for example, um, LGBT, LGBT rights, sorry. Um, but still, they do serve as a common language and like that, it's something that makes it really more graceful. So that's impact, and then at Impact Hub, we especially look at solutions that use innovation and entrepreneurial thinking or entrepreneurship to, to create solutions to that. I'm not saying that these are the only ones, there's also very structural ones, there's also the classic NGOs that have a lot of value and create a lot of great solutions. Um, it's just that we as Impact Hub see that it also in this field needs innovation and entrepreneurship to get new approaches on the road so that the, at the later stage they can be scaled. And how do we measure impact and also when do we know, well, for example, that a social enterprise is successful? Uh, so two levels. Level one, I mean, the sustainable development goals come with a whole indicator set mm -hmm. that actually are supposed to help you measure success. Um, level one. And, and we actually at the Impact Hub also try to apply those. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. I mean, also we are... A very decentralized organization for here in, for us here in Berlin with an organization of our size, it's actually quite difficult to apply these indicators because to measure them is quite intensive work, mm -hmm. which again costs money, which again you have to earn somehow, etc. etc. So when it comes to especially early stage social entrepreneurs, social enterprises, I really feel that most important thing one is they actually know what their impact is supposed to be. So they have a systematic thinking about what are we in, inputting into our solution? What's the out, like direct kind of output? What's the outcome of that? And what, again, is that in terms of impact? 
So they kind of really made, you know, they really thought about that and they are aware of that. And then the second thing is that they're actually trying to measure actively and they're finding some KPIs that they can use and then looking at those KPIs, you can see if someone's actually living up to their goals or not and if someone's not living up to their goals or not, not the least bit because many people are very ambitious. <laughs> but then, then you see usually that it's not working out. Uh, it's very interesting because when I've been asking these questions to a lot of social entrepreneurs, um, I keep receiving back that there are kind of two aspects to, to measuring impact, that there is, you know, the classical KPIs, kind of looking at numbers maybe, and, uh, but then there's also this intangible impact, right, uh, of actually seeing how your work uh, has impacted someone's life. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? and? Yeah, well, if you've experienced with that, what were kind of these intangible measures <laughs> of impact? Um, obviously, true. I mean, um, one of the great upsides of being in the sector is that uh, you actually uh, hopefully do something that has a meaning, has a purpose. Um, and you call this, I think, self-effectuation. So you actually see the impacts of your work um, always a matter of size if, a, if an organization just becomes too big you just can't see mm -hmm. the impact of your work so you can also be at the UN and maybe do good work but still don't feel it because it's just too big so I think that's one part of it I think for me very personally uh, I think it's really and I think that's what we really try at the Impact Hub is helping people who have the attention and a great idea um, to to innovate or to, to build a solution for a societal problem, helping them from zero to one, helping them from just an idea to actually executing on that idea and help like doing like these people could be startupers, they could, they could want to start a company, but can also be in a big organization. They can be someone who's in the UN uh, wanting to create a new, uh, a new idea in there. It can also be someone in the state department. It, it, you know, there's so many different places you can be in And you want to bring an idea from idea to action and helping these people and then seeing that succeed. I think that's my, that's my thing. Like, that's where I get really, really happy. So when I, I don't know, when we build an accelerator and we scout for female entrepreneurs who use tech to empower other women and they come here for six weeks and after six weeks, you know, I see them in the beginning and in between and in the end they stand on a huge stage and they pitch and They came here in a certain way and then they're on a stage in front of like 300 people, investors, and they're super bold and they have these and then you have great big dreams. And then three months later, they call me and say, wow, we got, I don't know, 800K investment and we can now build the production site and we have follow-up investment in line. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> so this is where like I get really happy or, you know, if we work with the German Development Corporation and there's like people inside that have an idea, they want to create this new project and we help them set it up um, and, and then the, the project gets built and a lot of funding gets allocated and they can actually execute on that. Um, yeah, that's, that's success for us. Or, you know, it, and it's also small things. Like if one member here meets another member, they have an idea and suddenly they are producing a sustainable bed uh, and it's on start next and they after two weeks have 60,000 funding. I'm, I'm, it's great. And they've met at lunch in the Impact Hub. 
So I think always it's these these moments when when people succeed in taking something that's just been in their mind and this intention of changing something for the better and they succeed in doing that at least in the first steps that's for everyone in our team that's success like that's when we're super happy and when we high five and when we open a bottle of champagne mm -hmm. awesome sounds amazing <laughs> very community feeling um what was i about to ask oh what were some of your most interesting projects maybe in the Months because probably there are lots of them. Yeah, <laughs> something that was like really, you know, in your mind. <laughs> okay, um, I think, okay, let's see. So I'll take one of each. So we have three kind of things that we do. So there's creative space, so it's everything that's in space, there's community, and there's consultancy. So creative space. Um, we had something really cool happen here lately. Um, we've been starting to. Um, provide our members with the opportunity uh, to host an events themselves and build their own sub-communities. We call them tribes. That means that regularly, around a certain topic, they host events. And we've had this really cool entrepreneur uh, last year um, here, blockchain entrepreneur Nathan, um, whose startup is MindSpider. Um, and he started before, like when he started with the idea, he wanted to build a network. So he started hosting events and he built this blockchain tribe. And the third time this happened, we had, I think, 120 people at his meetup. And it was like the highest level blockchain people. It was at the heights of the height. It was so great to see him in the middle of this event. Um, suddenly, he had like turned from being like one guy with an idea to the center of attention in just a couple, three months um, by hosting events here. So that was really, really cool to see. Really impressive, really inspiring. Is it possible for outside people to also host yeah. events here? It's, uh, to host events, yes, but that's that's then paid. Mm -hmm. The trick is that if you host your own tribe, you're a member here, mm -hmm. that you actually don't have to pay for the mm -hmm. for the for the venue. That's a cool thing. Um, so that's some that's kind of a collaboration between community and creative mm -hmm. space team. And then from the consultancy side, we're currently working on a big award. It's called the Better Together Award. Mm -hmm. Um, and the special thing about this is it's, it's an award for climate innovation. So we're looking for amazing projects that protect the climate. But the special thing is we're looking for, for collaborations. That means we're looking for projects where a startup or an initiative, so an entrepreneurial initiative, works together with a city government mm -hmm. to actually implement the solution. And we're not looking for the most innovative solution but for the best collaboration. So where are people really, really, really letting go of ego and letting go of themselves to really make a solution to protect the climate successful um, between public administration and innovators? Because we feel there's so much potential in bringing these two together. Mm -hmm. So we're really, really happy because we could bring together the GIZ, the Ministry for Sustainability, mm -hmm. maybe say in German, um, and us to kind of pull this off. So really, really excited. So we're currently looking for projects. Um, so if there's anyone out there, apply. Um, but but that's something really new for like collab like collaboration is really at the core of what we do. Like our three core values are trust, courage, and collaboration. Um, so finding those high level partners to actually look for great collaborators is something that's, I think, really, really different from what you usually see. 
in kind of the startup innovation world, where it's usually about always the greatest, bestest, burr, but really looking for those people who work together um, is, is something that, that's very exciting. Mm, changing the criteria for assessing us. Yes, a little bit like that, yes. exactly. Um, so we talk a lot about social innovation. What is actually social innovation and when do you know that a project is innovative? So I think, uh, again, the, the big questions of the sector. Um, um, so for us, we have a pretty wide definition. Um, we look at people who use the tools of innovation and entrepreneurship to solve a societal problem. And as said before, societal problem, we use the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so pretty broad definition. Um, but generally, what's, I think, important to understand is that Being entrepreneurial does not necessarily mean that you have to run a company. Being entrepreneurial means that you look at a specific situation and a problem, you, you come up with a solution, you have the drive to actually execute on it, and you're ready to really, really make um, no excuses, uh, to really sacrifice also. Um, to to realize that that idea that you that you have in your mind, and then the choice of how you do that is it an NGO, is the movement, is it a startup, is it a not for profit, is it a for profit? It's, it's just a choice of tools, really, because a specific problem has a specific solution, and how you bring that solution into the world, that tool, you know, you just need to choose the fitting tool. Mm -hmm. Um, so for us, it's really about finding those entrepreneurial people. And what we've just seen is that oftentimes this kind of covering cost piece, again, holds people accountable to their target group, to their solution. And that's why we, why we work with that. But, but essentially what we're about is really being entrepreneurial and being innovative. But being innovative just means looking at a problem, reframing it, looking at it a new way looking at a problem at a problem and seeing seeing a challenge seeing seeing a potential solution I think I think that's the uh, that's the key kind of oftentimes it's really also not something totally new it's just recombining existing things into something new bringing concept from a different sector into a new sector from a different country to a new country um, so I think it's, it's very broad um, everyone always wants to know what exactly it is um, Because we are very, a society who always wants to put a number, a tag, and a clear frame around everything. Um, and you could try to do that. Oftentimes that just doesn't work. So I think it's really about um, finding the right people. I think it's, uh, mostly it's about people. Um, it's, it's not about one person. I don't really don't believe in this kind of like one entrepreneur crap, excuse my language. Like I really think it's usually about a great combination of team partners, like of people working together, that's when like that's when impact happens. When you really, really work together to create a solution, that's usually when the best things come out. Mm -hmm. Where do you see this uh, whole field of social innovation and social entrepreneurship evolving in the next five to ten years, let's say? Um, so I think one, I really hope that it becomes more mainstream. Opening up, becoming more mainstream. So rather than actually get, like building the next social entrepreneur, I'd really, really love to to move to a place where we're really 
supporting the next generation of entrepreneurs. Um, and for that next generation of entrepreneurs, I think there's just different things that are important. I think people, planet, profit is important. I think being authentic, um, being self-effectuated is important. Um, and I think values are just going to become a lot more core when it is when we think about what's a good idea, what's a bad idea. You know, mm -hmm. is this idea actually not only valuable, but is it true to certain values mm -hmm. is going to become a lot more important. So I'm really hoping for, for the sector to, to grow to its fullest potential and then as everything in social entrepreneurship actually become not needed anymore because it'll just be part of normal entrepreneurship and of normal innovation. Mm -hmm. So that, that'd be my ideal. Sounds amazing. And looking a little bit back, um, specifically in the context of Germany, um, where kind of this whole, I don't like to say trend, but kind of this whole movement of social entrepreneurship and social innovation started, was there kind of a specific cause or was it more just... So I, I, I would say there was not a specific cause. It was more kind of this general movement that kind of came out of Muhammad Yunus winning a Nobel Prize. And then people started to see, oh, wow, we can combine entrepreneurship. I mean, and this is not a new concept. I mean, the concept of, of being entrepreneurial and solving a societal problem has been in, in, around, especially in Germany, for hundreds of years. I mean, when the, the, person, the first person created the like, medical insurance, that, that was a social enterprise. When we created... Um, specific kinds of like uh, banks, Genossenschaftliche Banken. This was a social entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, so there's many social entrepreneurs in the history of Germany who were just not called like that. In Germany in general, we speak of a social market economy. So we want to combine the market economy to actually serve the people. So this is actually something that's been around in Germany. I just think it's really... I wouldn't say it's been forgotten, but it, it kind of, it, it got into a lot of trouble in the last 20 years, and it's also about reviving that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if, if that's something that's possible, if we can connect those thoughts, that would be really great. And I think one thing, if you want to have a cause, I think the, the, what, what is called the refugee crisis, but uh, was, 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 a, you know, was a big challenge for, for the country. And it was one moment in time where I think The ability of social entrepreneurs to create good solutions fast uh, really came, came, came to light and it was a very pivotal moment for Germany because a lot of the more public institutions, ministries, etc. really really saw that, wow, there's, there's a community and there's a type of person and people that have a lot of potential to help us solve these big challenges that are coming our way. And speaking of social uh, entrepreneurs, uh, what is kind of the profile of a social entrepreneur? What, if there is a typical profile of a social entrepreneur? <laughs> um, it's a very challenging question. Um, I'm not sure if there is. Uh, it's really hard to see, bad to say. Um, I really think, especially in this in this field, it's very different people. I think they have in common that they, they see a potential and they're very relentless in, in driving towards that, that potential that they see. Uh, because, I mean, oftentimes it just means being turned down. So you have to be really resilient 
and, and you have to really believe in your solution. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a personality trait. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's definitely something that these people have in common. They can be totally different persons, but this kind of, this like stubbornness, like mm-hmm. that's what a lot of like what many of, like what many have in common, I think. And I think this goes for many good entrepreneurs. You have to be very stubborn, very mm-hmm. resilient. Um, I think what also goes is that I think really good social entrepreneurs are quite humble. Um, I'm quite critical about being too much out there. I mean, if someone is at a conference every week, when are they, when are they working? Like, when are they actually executing on that idea? Because the, most of these ideas are really, really hard to execute. And if you're just on, on the road all the time, it, who's, who's doing the work? So, and then, yeah, I said that before, but it's really about team players and about people that, you know, but again, it's also humbleness, like putting your ego aside a little bit, being able to, um, which always sounds really obvious, but it's a lot harder than you think um, because it shows them many little things. Yeah, I think these are maybe two main things. And other than that, it's very different people because it really also depends on where you meet a problem. Like, the, like when there's so many things that have to come together, like oftentimes it's just people that have been in the, in the position themselves. Mm-hmm. May it be, like for me, like I wanted to start something and didn't find support, so now I'm trying to support others, mm-hmm. which is a very comfortable situation, but others might, you know, have, have some kind of... Met the problem in their own family, in their in their in their, in their close surroundings, and, and now they're trying to do something about it in, a, in an innovative way. Um, mm-hmm. So very different. Um, I'm curious a little bit to pick your brain also on this whole entrepreneurship uh, area or like entrepreneur traits, because um, I feel like one of the challenges of an entrepreneur is always not to fall in love with your solution, because especially when we co- when we talk about social entrepreneurship, because Probably it's more important to fall in love with the problem and then just see what kind of solution works from your experience working with social entrepreneurs. What has has there been any pattern of do people just kind of stick with the problem and then just iterate on solutions or people jump from problem to problem as well? No, I don't think that people don't jump like hardly jump from problem to problem. I think the, the usually it's you're very at least by a, like a broad field. I mean, because also you build so much like social and and, and knowledge capital when you when you when you try to execute on an idea. You, you don't even have to be successful. I mean, that's the point, right? We always call people entrepreneurs the people that are actually successful. What's with all the people that have tried to be an entrepreneur and not been successful? We call them. I don't even know what we call them. It's strange, but they're also entrepreneurs. Um, so I think no. I think usually people stick more or less inside of like one category. Um, and then there's two kinds. I think I think there's the one that are really like also like mostly driven by the problem, and they're they have a vague idea how they, where they want to go, but then they really iterate and iterate and iterate. Um, and still a year ago, I would have said this is super important, and it's always about looking at the user, the user, the user. But lately, I've also had to kind of sometimes revise that and I still believe in, at the core of that but I, I, you know when you see like Henry there's this most important like most famous saying of Henry Ford who said if I'd asked the users they mm-hmm. told me to build a faster horse mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and there also is some truth in that I mean 
oftentimes it's also like the, the thing that you come up with is so far away from what's currently happening that if you ask someone who's just like a classic user they, they, they just can't even like it doesn't even happen so tough question I'm all for kill your darlings I'm all for fail early and often and I think these things are really really important but at the same time not every solution is is like building an app and all these things come from app development so don't have a concrete answer like there's no like still trying to find out um, but I think this is like part of the work we're trying to do is actually finding out like how do you actually like find and build these solutions like what are the tools that you need and and it's really picking again like creative stealing like some from innovation, some from user design, uh, user, like you know, experience design, and others also from, from, from social sciences and, and others again from philosophy. So mm -hmm. it's finding out what to use at what time. Awesome. Um, so this project is about change makers. Mm -hmm. um, who is for you a change maker? And then second question is, do you think all social entrepreneurs are change makers? To the second question, yes. I do think all social entrepreneurs are change makers. Um, I think it goes a lot into what I've said before, like being entrepreneurial. I think change makers is just the broadest possible um, thing. I think to be a change maker, you have to be driven by changing the world for the better. Again, I mean, this is a super normative thing, like better, what is better? Better, what you define as better is, it depends on your culture, where you're from, about, you know, doing some, making something better in Germany is very different than making something better in India or making something better in Japan. Um, so one, there's a difference there, but that's okay. I mean, that's, that's good. Um, And then, yes, like I think change maker is just a lot broader. I don't think, I think every social entrepreneur is a change maker, but I don't think every change maker is a social entrepreneur. Um, so there are differences. Um, um, I do think everyone can be a change maker. I don't necessarily think everyone can be a social entrepreneur. And it's, that's good. Like, I mean, we always think everyone has to be an entrepreneur. No, not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Not at all. I mean, it's, it's you, you can, and I think that's why that's great. I, I think everyone can make a difference. But how you make that difference can be, there's so many ways. So, um, you know, again, entrepreneurship is one tool in the toolbox. There's many other tools. Um, and they're all worth the same. Yep. Final two questions. <laughs> Uh, first one, what was your biggest learning so far from all these experiences that you've had from interacting with so many social entrepreneurs? Uh, yeah, what, what did you learn along the way? Mm, um, I mean, probably, I don't know, I'd probably say something different any day you ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think currently I would say that it's, it's always a lot more about the people than we even think, mm -hmm. even if we say that. Like every time, like so many times again, it comes back to, it's all about like team, the, you know, like, like the, 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 the most important building block of any solution, any company, 
of anything really is the people behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I'll probably learn this again and again and again. Um, um, but that's definitely been something that for me has been, even though I probably would have said the same thing five years ago, but I, I, maybe I can say with a different conviction now, or with a different, with more depth. I don't know, but I think that's really something that can't be over, overstated. And it's never about one person alone, but it's always about. I, I, there's this great saying: never underestimate what a small uh, group of people, a small convinced group of people. Don't nail me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that a small group of convinced, small convinced group of people can change the world. And I think that's that's very very true, and you can find that in history many times. Mm-hmm. So talking about teams, uh, what actually makes a good team, especially in this uh, area of social innovation? Um, well, I think first of all is um, trust. Mm-hmm. You have to trust the people around you, and that goes for, like you have to trust them personally, professionally. Um, you have to be, you know, able to give someone a task or receive a task, and in the one direction, trust that it's being done to the best of the ability and 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 with you know everything that the person can give, and in the other direction, trust that you know that there is honesty and and that always kind of like an eye level conversation. So trust is super super important, and I think it goes with kind of like eye level conversation, like being eye level. Um, I don't think it's about having no hierarchy because I think hierarchy is a it's, it's one way to organize to organize an organization. Some have hierarchy, others try to not have it. However you do it, uh, but it's more about this kind of eye level. I think being able to for everyone to be at the same level when you're in a discussion mm-hmm. and everyone to take in full. Um, I think is is key. Um, and you know, good ideas don't don't know. I don't know, age, experience, every good idea should, you know, deserves the same chance. So it's trust, it's collaboration, working together no matter what, and sticking together no matter what. Um, and, and this comes in many shapes and forms, and then it's, it's, it's courage, it's the courage to actually do big things, and to think big. And if you have this common courage, like you can have that together, um, I think then, then you're ready to do great, cool things. Awesome. And final question to end on an inspirational note. <laughs> what is the impact that you would like to create? Um, I, would, I would love, 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 love for Impact Hub Berlin or whatever it's going to be come uh, to be or to become kind of little parallel world in the best sense so being a laboratory and and an inspiration where those people can come and and feel empowered and and enabled to actually live out their idea and actually do it like you know you have so many ideas under the shower imagine how many good ideas go lost under the shower um, and and so many so much money is spent on on the next the next freaking cell phone game and I'm just really hoping that, that we can create an ever-growing ecosystem where people with great ideas to you know change makers can actually come 
and, and feel empowered to, to bring their idea into action. And if I can step out of this at, at, a, at, a, at a point in time and, and this continues to happen, then I'd be so happy. Thank you everyone for listening. This is the Changemaker podcast, a series of interviews with people driven to create a positive impact in their communities and the world. If you like this episode, make sure to reach out. Stay positive, follow your dream and make this world a better place. See you next week.